When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, with me as always is Chris. And uh, Chris, we have a little bit of news in Metsville. It's been a quiet uh, time since the lockout started for obvious reasons, but there's a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, the biggest of which, I guess, is the retirement of number 17, famously worn by Keith Hernandez. And this is, you know, um, something the Mets have been reluctant to do. You know, up until just a couple years ago, the only players with retired numbers were the two folks who went into the Hall of Fame as Mets, Tom Seaver and Mike Piazza, as well as two other managers, Casey Stengel and Gil Hodges, as well as the number 42, which is retired across all of baseball for Jackie Robinson. But the Mets have been very reluctant to to be uh, to honor their former players in this way. We just had Jerry Kuzman's retirement ceremony last summer, which was delayed a year because of the pandemic. And now we have Keith Hernandez's number being retired. Um, I, I think... If there's anyone in Mets history who you could look at and say that guy deserves to have his number retired based on his contributions to the Mets for his playing career and beyond, I think Keith is the obvious choice. Um, do you agree with that, or is there someone you would rather have seen have their number retired first? I think it's the the perfect choice for opening it up a little bit more and. Uh, it's not lowering the bar at all, really. You know, it was such a high bar that they had for so long. Um, and I think it contributed to something that, I don't know, it wasn't something that bugged me quite as much, but 
that sense of the Wilpons not having um, appreciation for their own team's history, the the fact that they handled things the way they did. Uh, so yeah, I think Keith is really the perfect one to kind of open up this whole new world of, uh, of of Mets number retirements. And obviously, I don't think they should retire all of them, but uh, somebody who's dedicated a huge chunk of his life to the Mets. Um, somebody who I think had has still a, a case to make the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not a slam dunk candidate, but... Uh, I actually this think is, uh, I think Gil Hodges getting in is a really good example that Keith will eventually get in. I just hope that unlike Gil Hodges, Keith is alive to see it. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, you were saying I interrupted you to say that. No, 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 that's okay. But um, but I think it is the the good way to do this, uh, or, or the best way to do this, even. Um, there are plenty of others, you know, when you obviously think of past players uh, who have done more than just win a championship with the Mets and, and be an important part of it. Ron Darling comes to mind as well. Um, but I think that combination of what Keith did in the Mets uniform on the field and what he's done as a broadcaster uh, should contribute to that. And and I, I think the broadcasting part of it really is significant um ralph connor didn't play for the mets but is one of the most beloved mets in franchise history in my mind right um because what he did on on tv when you think about it for mets fans of our generation i don't even know when keith started broadcasting for the mets it was early 2000s though it was before sny um right so we've probably spent more time listening to keith than we've spent watching almost any player in Mets in, in our Mets fandom. Yeah. And so he is as integral a part of my Mets fandom, my Mets viewership over the past 20 years as as anybody is, really, you know. And the to me the difference between Keith and Ron, however, is that while Ron was a very good pitcher, Keith was a great player. So I understand I, I, I think Ron is the better broadcaster than Keith is. So this is not about weighing uh, the broadcasting differently. I just think that Keith was a borderline retire the number guy anyway, and then you throw the 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 broadcast career on top of that. I don't know if Ron gets there for me in terms of in terms of just playing, but I think in terms of playing and announcing, it doesn't hurt to retire Ron's number either. Right. We're nowhere near Yankee or Cardinal territory where, like, they're running out of numbers to give people because they've retired too many numbers. Yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> um, obviously, I think David Wright will join the ranks at some point. Um, I think Gary Carter will. Yeah. Especially yeah. Gary Carter was almost a coin flip on which team he'd go in the hall as. Like, there's a case to be made he should have gone in as a Met. So I feel like that, right. if you're going to do that for, you know, if because Piazza had a coin flip also, but if Piazza went in as a Dodger, the Wilpons would not have 
retired his number under the old regime. So, you know, I, I think that Gary Carter should be right up there. What do you think about Doc and Daryl? Hmm. I mean, <laughs> I, I always go back to it when uh, I explain how I became a Mets fan. Uh, first game I went to in 1989 as a kid, first major league game, Daryl hit a home run, the Apple went up, Doc Gooden was the starting pitcher that night, the Mets beat the Dodgers. So strictly from the roots of my fandom, which I think I'm grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're still approaching the team as something that we enjoy, then uh, <laughs> my personal roots with it are those guys and you know they're they're right there it there'd be something cool about having 16 17 18 retired right next to each other that's true um i do think even if they do that there's a lot of pretty good numbers still available for for players to use uh, yeah. if we assume five isn't going to be used again um, eight will be used again probably with carter right, right. but there's enough there that I mean, even the Yankees, with as many as they have retired, they don't trot out guys with ridiculous uniform numbers all that often. Right, right. Um, it would be funny to to get to a point that the Mets had like a bunch of pitchers, like their best pitcher is wearing like seventy four or something. <laughs> um, you know, some like hockey and football numbers in there in the seventies right. and eighties. Um, but yeah, I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I'd say do it. I, I know it didn't end well with the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I know that they also played for the Yankees and, and all that, but I would just lean toward doing it. I, I think that you have to celebrate your wins in anything you do in life, right? Like you have to be positive about these things. And if you're a Mets fan, there are certain players that are undeniably part of our history. And I think Kuzman was long overdue, long overdue. I think Keith and Kidd are long overdue. You know, I think David Wright is probably, we've talked about this before, I think David Wright's probably the only guy of that era to get his number retired because of Jose Reyes' domestic violence charge, or else I think they would have retired Reyes' also. Even though Reyes did not have the career that David Wright had. I think those two represent a certain period of Mets history. Just you can't think of one without the other. And so I think that you would probably have Reyes along with him if there wasn't that black cloud hanging over him. And then I think, you know, unless things go really wrong in the next few years, I think DeGrom gets his number retired too. Eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's one that wouldn't be in super high demand. No, no, it's it's lucky. With, so it's an yeah. easy one to, to do. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this before too. How we feel like there's maybe room for one more late '90s, early 2000s Met to get the number retired, just because you know there's only really three or four eras in Mets history worth celebrating, and that's one of them. But I don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who the other guy is from that era. Um, John Franco, I guess. Hmm, yeah, I mean, he he certainly had the longevity, and, and I think, you know, in fairness to him, he's probably better than my reaction just now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we also, uh, when we became, like, really, really intense fans, he was already on the downside of his career. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, 99, he was very good and, and the Mets were very good. Um, you know, even 2000, he was, he was still solid. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe I should look back on that a little more fondly than I do. Um, I, I wonder if it's going to become a, like if you're a captain, you get your number retired. Mm. There have only been four captains in Mets history. Right? Four? Um, Keith, sure. Gary, uh, Franco, and, uh, and, David, and Wright. David Wright. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah. Maybe that's the way they go for it from now on. Um, regardless, though, let's um. Any any other like oh I guess one one more question about the the retirement ceremony. Uh, do you think that this is going to be? I mean, I, I, is this the most significant? Is this more significant of a ceremony than Piazza's? And I feel like Piazza's Piazza's in the Hall of Fame, greatest hitting catcher of all time. But does this mean more to Mets fans because of how long this took? I mean, Seavers is going to be more more significant. I, I shouldn't have said most of all time, but right, beyond, right, right. Beyond yeah. Seaver, is this sort of the like, or or did Co- or, or Kuzman waiting so long? Like, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like this is because Keith's not in the Hall of Fame, and maybe should be. This this just feels very significant to me. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it. matches the level of Piazza, but he's definitely a bigger personality, you know? Piazza, it's not that he's not been around at all, but he's, he has not been like in the front of everybody's mind all all the time for the last few years. So, um, that's not to diminish things at all. His, his arrival and time with the Mets was a transformational experience, but, uh, I guess the like the bigger deal, maybe the higher demand um, for for tickets for the game and all that was probably Piazza. But I feel like that day celebrating Keith might be more fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the whole ballpark is probably going to be full of people with uh, you know Seinfeld references. From, yeah. from his time on the show. <laughs> uh, you, you can find now at AmazingAvenue.com uh, an I'm Keith Hernandez t-shirt from our friends at Breaking Tea, so uh, check that out. Yeah, 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 that is true. Um, but I, I, I'll say it right now, Chris. I'll do it if you'll do it. If we go to that, should we shave our beards and just have mustaches for that day? Uh, I don't know if I can get permission for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, well, what if I like dyed my beard a color like the, the you know like a like temporarily bleached the rest of it it would look terrible but like <laughs> like went mustache only you know just for that day yeah. um yeah the one thing's for sure keith must maintain his mustache for that day oh of course none of this uh you know right the ted berg era we're just gonna blame ted for this one yeah of uh of mustacheless keith um but yeah I, i'm picturing that like over the last few months I've, I've watched quite a bit of european soccer um something that's a very new experience for me but just watching people have like 
a fun time at games there. <laughs> Watching people enjoy themselves during sporting events. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's not to say that they always go home happy with the results of the game, but it's just, there's a lot going on and it's in, yeah. For Keith, there should be real or fake mustaches everywhere. People should be like bringing boxes of just for men. Uh, <laughs> Throw them on the field like a hat trick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, and the Mets should try to lean into like get call up Seinfeld and see yeah. if you you know, like, there's no reason that we shouldn't have a nice game, pretty boy, like during the ceremony, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it, like that to me is where you can distinguish yourselves. Um, and look, I know I'm, I'm not exactly talking about reaching a much younger audience here, but we know the Mets <laughs> they, like publicly announced that they're doing various things. You know, they're looking at like between innings entertainment options and ways to tie things in and drop people into to the sport and the team and all that stuff. And they're going to have a bunch of very bright banner screens all around the park. And uh, they're claiming it'll be the most technologically advanced ballpark in baseball and all that. And that that's all good. Um, sure, do whatever. I I think some of those things might annoy me in a couple of years, but like right now, I don't care. It's fine. Um, but there's no downside to making that celebration of Keith fun, and and that to me distinguishes y- your team identity from the Yankees. I mean, it's already different, but. It, there's no reason that they should go into that day treating it like it's the most serious thing the Mets have ever done. Um, you know, if, if you're doing this, it it should be a celebration of the person. So in that sense, I think it has the potential to be just a grand old time. Whereas Mike Piazza, as great as he was, is fairly boring. You know, I, I, they should, yeah. Somebody at SNY should be compiling like all of Keith's greatest broadcasting moments. Um, I think they should make it like a two-hour montage of, of clips. Like, let everybody into the ballpark at noon. I'll start drinking at noon if you give me Keith's stuff to watch all day. Absolutely. Before the game starts, I think it's like a four o'clock start as currently scheduled. I believe so. Yes, that's usually what they do for those those special games too yeah but yeah do it up go all out you know this is uh this is my pitch to the mets an extension of steve cohen initiating like uh the bobby bonilla experience Mm -hmm. to try to turn the uh you know the the um, deferred payment plan that he had on on its head a little bit but yeah why not Uh, I think uh, I think Keith would be into it too. Like, he takes certain things seriously, like things on the field during a game uh, that that he'll get very upset about. But he does not seem like somebody who would, uh, you know, scoff at the opportunity to uh, poke fun at himself while also accepting an honor that that uh, clearly means a lot to him. So I'll put I'll put this out there right now for you. I know you're listening, Steve Cohen. Uh, Chris and I will be happy to be 
the uh, the pregame entertainment for that day. We will start at noon. We will we will be in charge of sort of interviewing some dignitaries that will be there. We will share our favorite Keith stories. We'll have Ted Berg on to talk about the time that he was there when Keith shaved his mustache. We will show the Seinfeld episode. Um, we'll, we'll we'll be your MCs for the day. We'll do that if we have to. I'm down. <laughs> we'll, sacri- we'll sacrifice our Saturday to make that happen. So give us a call, Mets. Um, but one of the things that Keith mentioned, which I, in classic Keith fashion, I don't know if he was supposed to mention this or not, but he said that the Mets are planning an old-timers game for 2022. And he mentioned there are going to be 50 players involved. I don't know how he would know that. But, you know, he's Keith Hernandez. But um, this is something the Yankees did for a long time, and the Mets used to do it, but haven't done it in quite some time. What do you think about the idea of an of an old-timers game? I'm into it. It's. I think it can be a fun experience, and I think it also can just be like, okay, we're we're doing this, so we don't have to hear people complain about it anymore. Right. Um. Yeah i I would love to see an old timers game where the oldest of the old timers are managing and coaching. And the younger old timers are maybe not so far removed and like actually playing a somewhat competitive game of baseball. <laughs> so you, so you want to see David Wright and Michael Kadire go back to back off of, um, let's see, Jeremy Hefner in that game while Keith and Ron like manage the teams as yeah. opposed to seeing guys in their 70s try to hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that would be the ideal way to to do it I can be down with that I think that could be kind of fun I, I just think it's a fun idea I think that the Mets need to embrace their fun because they share a city with the Yankees who are not fun at all and so embrace the fun have have more fun with uh, have more fun with everything and, and, that's, and that's a good example of a way to have you know a little bit of fun Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But speaking of coaching, it was a nice uh, segue you did there, Chris, without even realizing it. The Mets have named uh, three of their coaches for the next season. We know that the Mets have Jeremy Hefner they retained as their pitching coach, but they have added third base, co- third base coach Joey Cora, uh, first base coach Wayne Kirby, and hitting coach Eric Chavez as their uh, 
as the coaches they've announced so far. We are still waiting to hear who will be the bench coach, and a lot of these teams usually have an assistant hitting coach, an assistant pitching coach. Uh, I don't know if the Mets retained Ricky Bonus as their bullpen coach or not. I don't remember that. Do you remember that off the top of your head? Um, that's a good question. I, I mean, I thought it was specifically only Hefner, right, was retained. But Ricky Bonus has had multiple stints as the bullpen coach for the Mets. Yes, he has. So I would not be surprised if he returns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm not sure, but I, I I believe he was not retained at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do? You have any strong feelings about any of these uh, players? Any of these coaches, rather? Not really. No. I mean, I can't claim to have uh, followed. The, uh, the the details of their work and their previous roles. Um, I guess Eric Chavez, uh, you know, I remember him uh, being a pretty good hitter for a yes, while there. Yes. Wasn't that long ago either. So, okay, sure. Um, Not a terribly I, selective hitter, if I remember correctly. Let's see. I always think of hitting coaches as those guys with great eyes, but maybe that's just my, uh, you know, my bias as to what I want in a hitting coach coming out. Yeah, I mean, his walk rates were were solid. Not, okay, I guess you know. Again, not, not this is just going crazy, off my but, memory of watching games. So, yeah, but you know, I mean, for for a while there, uh, in his prime, he was a very solidly above league average hitter, uh, and all that, and. You know, hopefully that translates into it doesn't necessarily mean it will, but hopefully it translates into being able to teach or uh, work with or adapt or adjust or any and all of those things uh, with the hitters that the Mets have. Because really last year, um, the offense underperformed. There's no real way to put it other, other than that, like. I, I think any coach could walk in and some of these guys could rebound and as a collective unit, um, especially with some of the additions they made that feel like they happened 20 years ago. Right, yes. And happened in reality were less than a month ago. No. No, right? that happened. No. They oh, no, made... no. That was around Thanksgiving. Yes, it was It was, It was. was okay. Black Friday. Sorry. They did a bunch of Black Friday shopping. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. Like well, six, still six weeks ago. I mean, that's not that's not all that crazy. Right. Yeah, no, six, it's not ancient history. It is, yeah. But it feels like it is. It does, um, yes. So, yeah, the combination of the new faces, um, we know one rumor. There's been so, so little about the current players and, and uh, you know, what the team might be doing because they can't do anything during the lockout. So, uh, but there was one rumor that the Mets were considering or are considering trading Jeff McNeil when things are back in action. Um, but that, that's really been it. Uh, if they do keep McNeil, I think he's a pretty damn good candidate to bounce back. Um, all of which is to say that Eric Chavez could look like a genius of a hitting coach without really having to do too much. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have any strong thoughts on any of these folks. 
you know, if it makes Buck Showalter feel better to have his folks around him, I'm all for that. But I, I really don't have any any strong thoughts on any of these guys just yet. Um, we'll see, as always. And then the last bit of news is, um, as of recording, the the meeting between the MLBPA and Major League Baseball just ended, and so uh, there was no new deal struck to put an end to this lockout. But there wasn't expected to be one. Uh, you had a quote. You, you had a tweet pulled up before, didn't you? About this, you still had that pulled up. Uh oh, did I? <laughs> it was from Jeff Passan, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, it, it's there somewhere. But it, it, I can paraphrase it without. Uh... It, it basically said, "No one expected there to be a deal. There won't be a deal. Spring training is now maybe in question to start on time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sums it up nicely. I had predicted it would be over by now because I'm a fool, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I had just thought that, that they would have looked at the 94 lockout and how bad that was. Um, you know, they would they would not want to impact any of their any of that, nor lose any money. And we all know, you know, spring training doesn't bring in a ton of money, but it's a money making property for the money making proposition rather for the team and so you would just think that baseball would be interested in getting that stuff all happening without losing too much money and it appears that's not going to happen just yet hopefully it won't be too long from now um what is your guess right now on what you think the uh the lockout end date will be do you have any strong feelings about this i will guess let's see February for sure. I, I'm not. I'm not going to guess it's going to end in January. Um, let's go with February seventeenth. Why February not? 17th. Okay. Throw seventeen in there for Keith. Okay, I like uh, that. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, I think the we will still officially be in lockout mode when spring training was supposed to have started. Um, I'm going to go slightly, I'm going to say February 8th, what could do for Gary Carter? Um, just because I think, I think spring training will start late, but I think if you start as late as what you just said, that might push the, that might put opening day in danger. And I don't think anybody yeah. wants to do that. So I'm going to say a little bit before you say that, um, that way. You can technically start spring training on time, even though there'll be a ton of free agents and whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it it'd be somewhat of a bonanza um, if if either of us are right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be a crazy thing to. It's gonna be crazy if there's like two weeks between or a week or two between the start of spring training and the end of the lockout and just seeing 400 free agents sign like in short order um and a bunch of trades being made and all that but that that just seems like it's uh i mean doesn't that seem like the the most likely scenario this there's gonna be this this feeding frenzy at the end or do you see a bunch of players not sign until the last week of spring training Mm, no, I, I think it'll be sort of like exactly that pre-lockout frenzy. Mm -hmm. um, there's been so much uncertainty 
in in the world over the last two years um from the short short season of 2020 to trying to get back to something that looked more normal for baseball in 2021 and then everyone knew that something was going to happen this winter um and it was enforced by the owners, so it came in the form of a lockout. But um, I think players and teams, once they resolve this, are going to want to just get to it. And uh, I don't think players are going to want to wait until the last week of spring training. I think some of the guys who signed before the lockout wanted to have that peace of mind so that they – knew where they would be going when things changed. Yes. Um, so not to say that I think every player out there is going to take a terrible deal, but I do think that they will be trying to sign relatively quickly because, you know, we, we've seen lots of disruption, um, whether it was to smaller numbers of players in off seasons past because teams had waited and waited and waited and not signed guys as early or some teams just aren't signing guys and aren't trying to win on an annual basis. Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to have sort of an itch to just say like, look, uh, I, I want to know where I'm playing this year and, uh, you know, maybe beyond this year, We'll figure it out when we get there. Uh, there are some very big names left. So th- those guys, you're you're talking about much more money and all that. Um, and look, maybe the Mets signed another huge player. Who knows? Um, Chris Bryant, come on down. Yeah. He really would be the perfect fit. But, uh, but yeah, it's my long answer. I'm saying I think it'll go quickly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it will too. I think that there'll be a couple of players that will hold out. Uh, possibly even somebody like a um, like a uh, Michael Conforto, a Boris client, you know, might hold off a little bit longer. But I think ultimately, like you said, people are resigning sort of one year deals, maybe just to get just to play this year and then reevaluate every everything else. So we'll we'll see how all that goes, but regardless of that, uh, Chris, do you have a music pick ready for us? Yeah, um, I am going to go with, and I, I'm not sure if it's available digitally at all. It might be. So if it's not, then you're just gonna have to buy the record like I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I know, um, you know, over the last two years, there have been a variety of live records coming out of levitation which is a festival i have not attended in person myself um but it's a festival and a label and it's like its whole own little music universe so uh this release it's been a while since i've record uh record recommended a record by king gizzard and the lizard wizard but uh there's a live at levitation vinyl came out uh mine showed up sometime last week or the week before and four versions of it they're on like really nice different you know if you're into multicolored vinyl that only adds to the experience is is this from 2014 or 2016 
It's both, so it's a double LP. Okay, they are available digitally on Bandcamp. Ah, okay, yes. Okay. As individual records, though. Okay. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a double LP, uh, one of which the 2014 show is, is from that festival. It was their first show in the United States. I believe they said their first show in North America. So that, that was a big moment for them, um, playing a bunch of songs that wound up being recorded on the record I'm In Your Mind Fuzz, which they recorded in Brooklyn either later that year or um, early the following year. And then uh, the 2016 show is heavy on songs from Not and Gone Infinity, which to me is still their crowning achievement. So, you know, this is all music that uh, I've, I've probably recommended some of the songs on, on both of these uh, records in the double LP in the past. But it's just uh, it, it's a really good capture of what they sounded like and the songs they were playing at the time that I got into the band. Um, I'm like, I, I know this, but because of COVID really, I have not seen them play live in quite a while. Um, so having that show up and, and throwing it on the turntable and um, just feeling what those songs sounded like in, in a, in a live context was really good. Uh, so yeah, if you are already into them, it's a good thing to go back to. And if you have ignored all of my previous recommendations, <laughs> this is the stuff that I was hearing when I got hooked. So I can't think of a better starting point. Yeah, that's uh I find it very satisfying when a band releases a live album and it just like kicks you in the chest. Like, oh man, this is exactly what I want out of this live record right now, you know. Especially right now when live music is still a um a luxury that not all of us are permitting ourselves or at least not permitting ourselves as often as as we maybe used to. It's really nice. Um okay, so I am gonna pick a really weird album this week. Not weird because of the contents, but weird because of sort of what it is. So when I was in college I had this weird student loan where I had $500 in my loan to buy books at the campus bookstore. And if you didn't use those $500, it didn't get refunded. It just went away. So my dad used to say to me, like, go to the bookstore, buy soda, buy whatever you want to, because that money is going to be wasted if you don't use it. So one year, I had like $8 left. And I, I was determined to spend it. I already bought a bunch of food and all that from the bookstore. And they had a copy of the British music magazine Mojo. I don't know why the fuck the bookstore had a copy of Mojo magazine, but it did. And it was like a $6 import magazine, so I bought it. And with it was a CD called Trojan Explosion, and it was like a um, a mix of different reggae songs. And like there was, there was a Bob Marley song on it, but it's like a really early Bob Marley and the Whalers song. It's not a... It wasn't like, you know, Three Little Birds or a song that I was familiar with at all. It was all very new. And a lot of the stuff, it's not quite like, there's a little bit of dub stuff, but a lot of it is just sort of like the early, like when ska was becoming reggae, that kind of period of time. And so I, the CD, it was a really weird CD physically because it was it had a, you know CDs have like a shiny back to them? This had a black back to it, like a matte black uh, back to that's it. That's cool. <laughs> uh, it is cool, but it meant that like, 
your CD player and your computer wouldn't recognize it sometimes. Like it was, it was very hard to listen to. So I had, I listened to it a bunch in college and liked it, and then just whatever reason, I, I I guess because I couldn't I couldn't rip it onto a computer or I couldn't uh, or for for an iPod or whatever, it just kind of has sat in a CD book in my house for the last twenty years. And the other day, I just happened to think of this, and I went on Spotify, and somebody had created a playlist with all those songs on it. And so I can now listen to this this playlist again. Now, I am not the world's biggest reggae fan. I think that a lot of reggae, especially like reggae that isn't dub reggae or reggae that isn't like early reggae, to me, I, I, I definitely can hear how people can say a lot of it sounds the same. It, it's not my favorite genre of music, but a good, well-curated reggae compilation, like Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead organized a reggae compilation maybe 15 years ago called uh, Dread is the Controller. Or that's maybe that's one of the songs on it. It was called Johnny Greenwood is the Controller. Whatever. That was excellent, too. Like, I, I just think that I don't... I I need someone to curate my reggae for me because I'm not smart enough to do a good job <laughs> of it myself. Um, but so I will link to this playlist, Spotify playlist. There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. And it's a genre I wish I knew more about. So this is giving me a couple of artists to go forward and check out some more. And it's, I, I listened to the Listen to it the other day while I was shoveling snow, which is like the most strange juxtaposition of activity in music. It's not snow music at all, but it was really pleasant, and I really enjoyed it. So it's called Trojan Explosion, and I'll link to the Spotify playlist in our uh, in our show notes. Are you a nice. reggae guy at all? Uh, a little bit. I dabble. Um, I do have a quick story. That, uh, not not burning a recommendation here, but at Desert Days in the fall, there was an artist named Patchy Man, and okay. he's uh, – I believe he's Puerto Rican and like makes reggae. But when he came out and performed on stage, it's just him. And he's got like a bunch of equipment to like play loops and like do effects on him and all that. And it's all reggae stuff, but he, he's just up there, just one guy and his equipment doing it like it. And it sounds cool, but it's kind of like, all right, you know, whatever. And then at near the very end of his set, He's like, by the way, I recorded all this stuff by myself, and this is like my music that I'm mixing. And I'm like, I wish you told us that in the beginning, <laughs> because I thought it was like, all right, this is like this is cool. It's the afternoon, you know, like it's enjoyable. Not that like, but it was less impressive to me because I sure. thought he was just doing like remixes of other people's recordings. And then at the very end, he's like, oh, by the way, I recorded all these parts myself. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I'm impressed. But I, I, could, I could have been impressed for the entire set. That's my recent reggae story. <laughs> well, uh, we, we hope that you guys enjoy our music selections and the show. And we hope you go to AmazingNavigator.com where we are struggling but still getting lots of uh, good Mets news and content from us every day. Good podcasts. And hopefully there will be more fun news to share soon. Um, when this lockout ends. So go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of that, please. Also, find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, uh, Amazon Music. You can find us lots of places. Wherever you find us, though, rate, review, and subscribe so that we can uh, get the show out to more people and so more people can hear about it and hopefully enjoy it. And uh, breaking news, Mets have re-signed Steven Nagosik to a minor league deal. Just popped up right now. Um so if you care about that sort of thing, congratulations. Uh, Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go Mets. <laughs> <laughs>